the uh, theme for the uh, afternoon talk <coughs> is uh, mindfulness, meditation and uh, the sp uh, spiritual. Um, just before beginning, uh, I have one uh, daughter, uh, Nishona, and today it's her 37th birthday and uh, I remember Ava a year ago so she said to me I remember you giving a talk uh, which was titled First Year of Fatherhood <laughs> we were a bit younger then <laughs> so uh, after one year I would, I would have been 38 so I would have been 38 times older than she. Now she's 37, so she's half as old as me. So she's catching up, I suppose, in a way. <laughs> she's got a way to go yet. And so in the, just going back to the uh, uh, period, not long after she was born, just a, a few weeks after uh, she was born, Guanmin, her lovely uh, mother and I, decided to go to India, teaching in India, to uh, take our daughter. And at that time she was five months uh, old. And of course the grandparents, being grandparents, <laughs> uh, no. How can you take our granddaughter <laughs> to India? And, and I said, you know, what's the problem? Do you know how many babies are already there? <laughs> well, one more's not going to make any dramatic difference. <laughs> So we spent a, a few wonderful uh, months uh, travelling uh, around India. We had a, a, a basket, a wicker basket, uh, there and dropped our daughter in it and carried her around and she had a lovely time and we had a, a great uh, time and when we arrived back, the beloved grandparents were very relieved. And, uh, 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 so it goes. And those of us who have contact with children or who are par parents know this evolution of time uh, through the passage and, and through the uh, 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 years. And uh, on that there are some kind of moments, this is the aspect of all of this, touching moments, deep moments uh, in life. And and we kind of remember the uh, incident and the, into the incidents of life through the rhythms, things which stand out and touch us. And sometimes there's something of the, the spiritual uh, uh, about this and sometimes it's communicated in the information. So from the age of 15, going back to my daughter for the moment, she knew what she wanted to be and completely single-pointed and, and, and shakeable in and that. At the age of 15, she knew she wanted to, to go into nursing and she wanted to be a midwife. No. 
and of course we're happy because wanted to be in form of service to uh, uh, others uh, there and then there, there were some 600 applicants and 30 were chosen and blessed that she actually was one of those uh, there and on the very first meeting there the, uh, the, the doctor and the chief midwife speaking about things and looked along the group of women, young women some of the old 30s and 40s who were nurses wanted to go into midwife and said before this year is over um, um, it always happens every year with the new trainees to be the midwife at least one of you will be pregnant <laughs> You know which one. <laughs> so at 18, she's pregnant. Uh, then she, uh, uh, she says, Dad, I'm, I'm pregnant. And, uh, and I said to her, well, I always said in life that experience comes first. <laughs> but I didn't quite have it in mind with midwifery. <laughs> for an 18-year-old. And, um, and I asked her just a few years ago, and then the next thing she said, um, that uh, the father um, is from the West Indies, you know, from the, 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 the Caribbean. And so I said just a few years ago, what, what was my immediate response to that? And she, she says, I... Always remember the first words that came out of your mouth. And the first words that came out of my mouth was, "It's about time we had a bit of colour in the family." <laughs> <laughs> so now I have a seventeen-year-old grandson uh, 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 there who's. Also wants to go into service. He wants to be uh, uh, a lawyer. You know, so he's single pointed on on on, on being, being a lawyer. And his mother said to me two or three years ago, "So, Dad, God, he's no, it's the mum. Oh, Kai, it's his name. He's so bright. He's so in, intelligent, and he's re really, you know, he's a really great boy." She said, "He could be prime minister." <laughs> <laughs> And I said to her, you can do a lot better than that. <laughs> Prime Minister. Anyway, not, 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 not in Germany, I'm talking about British. <laughs> All right. So sometimes in life, the moment stands, the moment stands out. And I said, oh, can I come to the birth? You're my dad! <laughs> etc. But there's something when the baby, you see the baby for, you know, some of you have never seen a, a newborn uh, baby or a very young uh, uh, little one. Something about the wonder and joy of life. There's something spiritual about it. With somebody we know we have loved dearly and has been a friend or a family member and has lived in this world and we shared and laughed and cried and talked and then the person's uh, died, left, uh, left this world and we've been to uh, attended the funeral despite 
whether we're religious or not religious, sometimes there's something spiritual that, that touches us about the sensitivities of the beginnings of life and the end of life and the whole journey that we are uh, uh, making uh, through it. And the resonance of, of that, that to stand out again, that the, the, the moments in there which are really important for us now. And teaching, quoting the Buddha here, said on some important experiences that we have uh, in life are worthy of reflection, worthy of bringing mindfulness to, in order that out of that we squeeze the honey out. And sometimes we, we're told, oh, just be in the here and now, it's only about being in the here and now. It's, it's not in the Buddha's uh, teachings, so we hear the voices elsewhere. And there's a really important place for us for these uh, uh, moments. They communicate, as I mentioned, some of them, something rather deep about life, about human experience and about the spiritual movement, to, to resonate and listen to that and see what we can learn and discover uh, from it. In the talking with you, and some of you, during the days so far that we have had together there, some of you are in um, the, these periods of transition uh, in one's life. And for uh, some, it's purposeful and intentional, meaning by that that one has come to um, uh, a fresh view and there is a real sense that in that movement through life one can move and wishes to move on from what was to something fresh and new. And quite often with people who come on retreats and explore uh, uh, the inner outer uh, world, some, because it is a period of transition already. For uh, uh, others, there is a sense of the capacity to do something fresh and new, but one of the factors which holds up the liberation of that, and it is a liberation, the freedom for the new to engage, probably one of the most common is fear. And fear is a uh, terror, in a way, for human uh, existence. And sometimes in this <coughs> willingness to make fresh and new uh, uh, changes, the doubt comes in, the hesitations come in, the inner critic comes in, and though we might <coughs> have the opportunity to share with others, something inhibits us, something holds us back from finding some fulfilment or a, a new direction. And very easily we are afraid. We are afraid, a very common one with fear, we are afraid that we won't be able to control the outcome. We are afraid that it may not work out as we would like. And this holding back and fear stops a liberation movement. And the liberation movement is another language for something spiritual which um, vitalizes, allows us there. 
what can come in with this as well, common uh, heritage in our culture and society there. Now, with fear, we all need fear. You know, it's fear which stops us from doing something stupid. We can't live without fear. In Dharma teachings, it's a completely opposite view. You can't live with it. And, and it's to get to know the difference. So one person, as an example, just uh, in uh, Paranoff, just a, teaching, just a few days ago, she said, well, if a big truck is coming down the street towards me and I see it, there's fear and the fear gets me out of the way. That's not fear. It's called common sense. <laughs> because one doesn't want to be mowed down by some truck or, or etc. or some bike cyclist like me or whoever, whoever it might be. I was out on my bicycle in, in um, Totnes and a little kid seven or eight years of age turned to his mum saw me cycling by and said mum look at that old guy on his bike (laughs) 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 what me (laughs) so sometimes in a situation there we call it fear but fear contracts fear paralyses us Fear stops us. It holds us back. Fear goes into worry about the future, about what might happen, uh, uh, might be. And very easily, these fears get a, a real grip upon us. And part of this practice is to find and explore ways. Can we find a way of living as a from a place of liberation, a fearless way of life. And what we notice sometimes, some, quite often in fact, that in some situations, fear, some people are extraordinarily fearless in terms of their leisure time, in terms of their work, in terms of their voice and much, much more genuinely fear less. But it might well be for the same person or, or for us, we may have strengths and fearlessness in some areas, but there may be others areas where there's fear. Fear of loss, fear of change, fear that things won't change, or whatever. And in order to to bring um, mindfulness and meditation and the sense of uh, the, sp- the spiritual here, if we say, I've got a lot of fear inside of me, we can't do anything with it. It's just too big a concept. It's too general. The only way human beings can address things and change things is by giving this the, the subject or the awareness or the mindfulness 
an object, meaning in this case, one, that's the subject, experiences fear, that's the subject, about something. If I can name it, but is very uh, keen on, on this, that there is the subject who names what one is afraid of. Might be, of course, several things. Once it is named, one knows what one has got to work with. If I just have, oh, I have a lot of fear, I can't go anywhere because I have no object. And there might be lots of fears, but it could be that if I can take one fear with an object, while here, which is standing out, which in some way I know is unresolved uh, for me, and I look at that fear, could it be that in the looking at it, in the interest, in some concentration and working on, with a view, whatever it might be, with a view to seeing if I can look at that completely differently, which means fearlessly. And liberating teachings, are, as I mentioned, teaching to fearlessly. There are some situations, and one of you spoke to me about it during the days here, where it is very, very hard to explain why the fear is there. It's really, really hard. It's not like there's been trauma and hurt and pain and anguish in the in the past. Sometimes it's kind of primal. It's almost evolutionary. You know, the obvious obvious one would be these small little creatures, the mouse, ah-ha! you know, or, or you know, or the or the, or, or the beetle, or, or the or, or, or the spider. I mean, has no rational explanation. For it, it just the mind can't explain where it came from uh, there, and it's not to say that we should be able to uh, uh, overcome uh, uh, that there, but the quiet dedication, mindfulness and concentration—that's the dedication uh, uh, aspect—working with it. Even though the fears about it, whatever that, in this case, creature might be, may still stay. But the important thing, one is giving oneself some commitment to working with it. And it's the training of the mind uh, there. It's being able to look at a creature, possibly, and stay steady with it and not be afraid of it whatever it uh, might be. There are situations as well, all a liberating movement uh, here, uh, and it's deeply important for human beings, where we might know situations, and may arise in our meditations, where we know we're afraid to speak up. We know we're afraid to express our voice. We're afraid to be a whistleblower. We're afraid to share our concern. We're not sure what might happen. We might get rejected. We might get put down. We might lose our job or whatever. But there are people around who are, have their fears, not sure what might happen 
there, but are still nevertheless willing, and we need these people, still willing to speak up despite the risk, despite the rejection, despite losing the career or, uh, or, or whatever. Now I go, to speak to you a small example, I go to Israel, a number of good Dharma friends refuse to go into the military, the IDF, Israeli Defence Force. They refuse to go into the military. They refuse to support the state and the system. Uh, there and they have a prison. We drive past it regularly. Some 500 people uh, are in that prison uh, who, between the ages of 18 and 21, when they get called up, uh, 18, uh, they just refuse to be any, any um, uh, part of it. It isn't easy to do because on your CV, you know what CV is, and your curriculum vitae, uh, uh, there, you put on it what army unit you are in. And if you haven't got that on your, your CV, they don't regard you as a dedicated Israeli citizen. And it's hard to get a job. Unless you've got some sympathetic voices around in that company. So some people have an integrity, takes courage here, and a willingness to take steps knowing that there can be consequences in the short and long term. To me, these are the gods of the earth. There are some really remarkable people around there who take steps knowing that and despite the fears but there's something freeing up about that we had uh, uh, this is in Australia what might seem quite small to lots of people for others can be quite big her quite big was she tried and wanted every year, she did a retreat with me every year, to come up for an inquiry on the cushion. Ah. Came on a retreat every year for 17 years. Yeah. Never quite made it. And as she said to me, she'd be sitting there, the whole intention of coming on the retreat was to get herself off the cushion, walk up, and get harassed by me. <laughs> In a nice way, I hope. And finally, on the 17th year, because sometimes, she, yes, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and by the time she got the energy together, somebody was already sitting there, and said, oh, I'm not meant to be, I should live here, you know, usual. No. Finally, after 17 years, she got uh, there, we had a lovely uh, exchange, and I didn't know about all these years of hesitation, but we just had a, a, a lovely exchange. And as she said afterwards, she said, Christopher, what was all the fuss about? What, what was it about? You didn't beat me up. You didn't kick me. You didn't <laughs> tell me I'm stupid or anything. You know, sometimes... The fear, the projections and the views and the opinions about it bears no relationship to the event. 
extraordinary how human beings' imagination can generate and generate and generate. And then we come to the event, kindergarten. <laughs> Just talking to a guy and a handful of people listening. So is that the nice word in the Pali language, some of you know, called papancha, P-A-P-A-N-C-A, papancha. And it means the production, the proliferation. That means too much. Too much thinking, too much imagination, too much projection there. That gets, just gets in the way. And liberation is a freedom from all of this projection, imagination and too much thinking. It's a liberation there. And we need the, some quality of mindfulness. means being aware of what is going on. The ability for a period, doesn't have to be long, to be able to concentrate on this. To ask ourselves, what is a fresh way to look at this experience? or to make this step and initiative uh, uh, which is there and the important thing here here comes the spiritual uh, uh, again is that if we spend too much and um, Nicole I know uh, one of the people has expressed a lot of appreciation for Nicole's instructions uh, this morning and giving a good reminder, if we spend too much time on the difficult, so there's the subject, and there's a difficult issue that one wants to resolve. Today I'm talking a little bit about fear. If we spend too much time on the difficult, the view gets infected by the difficult. Do you understand? Too much time on it, one starts thinking about the difficult, it feeds in the inner critic, there's more judgment about it, because we can't view the situation clearly because we've got baggage around the view of it. There is it, it's called fear, it's called worry, it's called anxiety, it's called insecurity, or whatever. And then the view is not clean and clear because the object, the issue, it's kind of come round and entered into the view, to the subject. And it's all mixed in together. And therefore, the teachings say to us and remind us, more or less, please, please, remember that which is healthy. Meaning in this case, you may have some fears, you may have some Health, in, health issue, sickness issue, money issue, or whatever. If you exaggerate the importance of it, that will dominate your view. Too much on it would dominate the view. And it's important to be able to recognize when you're not in that story, when you're not in that event, not in that crisis or whatever. So the times, so to speak, outside of it, just a new day, sky above and earth below, flowers and trees and people and nature and, and what else, good food and more besides, that the recognition of all of that is healthy. 
so that in spite of something unresolved bothering one, there is still enough clarity and space in life to enjoy life. And certainly some things will have an impact uh, there. My uh, daughter, who's a bit of a thread through this, texted me today, she said, Dad, Josiah, that's um, the grandson, who's three years uh, uh, old, Josiah is uh, from the Hebrew, Joseph, uh, uh, and Kahil, his middle name, Gibran, because my, my daughter is really keen on inter- like me on interreligious understanding, so the boy's got a, a Muslim name and, a, and a, a, a Jewish name. And her name is an American Indian. <laughs> we like diversity in our household, if you can tell. <laughs> and she texts me, she said, Dad, Josiah fell over this morning, he banged his head, he's cut his head, I have to take him to the hospital to get him mothers uh, you know, parents and people with kids with nothing, and get him, uh, get him uh, uh, checked out. And with the concluding one-liner, what a start to my birthday. <laughs> Life doesn't fit. <laughs> Just does its own thing. And then the boy will be fine and uh, so forth. But she's you know, pretty nasty cut and so she needs to uh, check out. And I mean by that, once again, the unpredictable, as mentioned to you yesterday, keeps coming in. We do need to give time to the difficult. We can't just ignore it. We can't say it's not there or, or whatever. But too much on it, it becomes an identity. We're thinking about it when we don't need to think about it. Too much becomes a self. If I'm feeling sorry for myself, my life is not working out, I've got no money, I've got no job, I'm struggling, my partner's uh, left me, or whatever, the kids refuse to speak to me, all these stories that one has to uh, uh, hear. How easy... The consciousness shrinks around it. It becomes one's life. And these kind of teachings, with the mindfulnesses and the meditations and the nature and much more, they say, yes, there is that. But yes, there is life outside of it. You know, sometimes people on the retreats come, oh, Christopher, my knees hurt so much. I'm sitting cross-legged or in a kneeling posture. My knees hurt so much. And just every sitting, it's knees, knees, my knees, my knees. Or somebody else says, all I'm doing is thinking, 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 thinking. One hears this like a mantra. <laughs> it's more successful than Hare Krishna, Hare Ram, and <laughs> Om Mani Padme Hum. And the, the, the mantra comes. And sometimes I just ask, you know, fairly simple question. Is there life outside your knees? (laughs) Is there more to life than your thoughts? Oh, yes. (laughs) 
So we want to be mindful and watch the weather around something, including mindfulness, including meditation, including spirituality. Is consciousness shrinking around something? And therefore forgetting a, a bigger sense, a, a transcendent sense, or a, 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 a wider sense. I promised myself today I'm going to keep it definitely less than an hour because the cold, precious jewel on the retreat takes all of these notes and you, in a way you, you won't know this but you could be a little grateful because there are other teachers who also take the notes uh, there but they keep the summary to around 20 minutes but Nicole, <laughs> you can take some notes on this and read it selfishly. <laughs> but Nicole gives you the fullness, you know, she really takes her time and gives you a really full, comprehensive, yeah, right. <laughs> a full, comprehensive flow. Other teachers, about well, 15, 20 minutes, it's enough. <laughs> but so, thank you, Nicole. Yeah. Right. So, say, so sometimes. There is the the, uh, uh, the view, but every getting the clarity with the view, you know, an important aspect of this. So we recognise what is difficult. We're not avoiding it. We are addressing it. We don't want to exaggerate it because if we do, it blocks us to much more in life. Exaggeration blocks us. Go papancha. Too much. Too much. Therefore, we need to recognize what is other than the positive, as Nicole was saying, the, the healthy, uh, the, the joyful, the receptive. And the discourse, obviously, really gives encouragement to that. But we're also free to look, and this is and the jewels of the, the Buddha's Dharma, the Buddha's teachings here. We can say, and it's a really, you know, valid thing to say to a point we can say um, maybe saying I need time away from my everyday life I need to be on retreat I need to step back from these roles and identities uh, which I have and the culture in a general way here is recognizing that and the recognition of it is it's not that many years ago where people did not want to say they were going on a silent retreat silent buddhist retreat etc uh, what silent you know so people would say i'm going for a few days quiet in the countryside <laughs> Talk about watering down the retreat to a few days quiet in the countryside, but, you know, they're not lying, they're just, you know, being skillful. <laughs> I don't want to be seen to be some weird spiritual freak or something like that in the office uh, or with the parents uh, there. So initially, this is the point here, initially one can say, well, I, d I really need time to be with myself. I really need to check in with myself, look at myself, face up to myself, see the heartfulness, see what I need to work with, what I can appreciate and the gratitude, all of which is genuinely uh, valuable. 
And part of, the, part of that is, and it's the great act of respect and kindness for uh, others on the retreat, one, by one's own silence and one's own quiet practice, one is actually and equally giving support to the others. One is not interfering with the other, letting her or him be in their silence, her or him be in their aloneness. And that silence is, in a way, the act of friendship because there's no, not in interfering with the other. Uh, there. And sometimes, and there are several partners, of course, and not. <coughs> but out of that, much uh, depth and connection and love can emerge out of that silent respect for each other, giving each other the space and the, uh, and the aloneness. But it's to a point, and what I mean by that is, we might say, um, while being here in this uh, environment, I'm not here for another or, or others. Uh, 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 I'm here for myself. It's a, a valid point. And one, and so, although some people say, oh, isn't that really, really selfish? Look, it's a week in a year for most people. Is, you know, uh, there. But what's more important, and this is the deeper point and the spiritual point, if one has gone deep and one is not in the primary school of spirituality, uh, there, oh, I'm here for myself. If one has gone deep, there will be a realizing and, and a knowing taking place on this retreat. You are not here for other and you're not here for yourself. It's not what it's about. And that then moves it into another dimension. Completely different way of, of uh, wisdom and uh, insight and realization. Uh, uh, I don't say it is easy. Don't say it's easy to understand there. But it's the direction that it goes. And so the silences and the stillnesses and, uh, and uh, the depth start to express and, and show and quite different from the way that we had thought. The way that it was when we first came in the kindergarten stage or in the primary school stage to use the education uh, example and when we really deeply begin to understand it's not about other and it's not about self in that time we become adults we become mature human beings we become wise about the way that this world is and that potential for that for that uh, realization and those uh, discoveries uh, genuinely are, are possible. All of that is in the discourse uh, itself. I'll just uh, uh, read and just asking the, the, uh, speaking to Nicole a few moments uh, ago. It, as we said uh, uh, yesterday, this calming, experiencing the whole body and calming of the body uh, there and then this movement towards uh, the happiness and the joy there so 
precious and so much loved in the human experience uh, there. And of course, naturally so healthy uh, as well. Provides the opportunity, because when we are calm and there's happiness and contentment, not perfectly, it gives us two things. It gives us the opportunity to see more clearly because the the one who views, that means the mindfulness or the concentration, the one who views, there is more calm with the view. The more calm there is with the view of the situation, the more clarity and understanding and insight that we can get. We just start to see it clearly, including the beautiful and the difficult. We just can have the opportunity to see it more clearly. So in in the discourse, it isn't making the happiness and the joy or the experiencing of the states of mind, the formations of mind like thoughts, as an end in itself. What it's deeply pointing to, uh, pointing to us is that it is a receptivity to something which transcends it. And I'm sure I can see from some of your eyes here, be amused by that. So it would seem like, wow, how nice it is to take some of the stress out of the body. Of course it is. How nice it is to um, appreciate, to feel relaxed and calm and present with life. Of course it is. How lovely to experience those precious moments of life there and the spiritual happinesses that can come, and the joys, that means, like I said yesterday, not owning, not possessing, coming to us. How lovely uh, that is. How important it is to be able to see a thought as a thought. Not give it such a significance, it making, it's making our life a nightmare. A thought is just a thought. And some thoughts are really helpful. And some thoughts are a pain in the you-know-what. <laughs> and to be clear about healthy, skillful thought. And hell and thoughts which are problematic and papancha. Too much there. And we could say, just with that there from the discourse, wow, just to have a life like that would be Amazing. Calmness of body, mindfulness, concentration, joy and happiness. Being able to see a thought as a thought, clear about all of that. Wow. To live like that would be wonderful. It's called high school. <laughs> it is not an end. It is the preparation. And sometimes in the preparation there can be extraordinary liberating realizations. And including the realizations, life in its truest sense is not about myself and it's not about others. May we be receptive. May we explore the precious preparations. May we at times remember 
2,600 years. Yeah. 100 generations, if a generation is around 25 years, of men and women who have been practicing this and before the Buddha uh, uh, as well, exploring all of this for these great liberating realizations that are accessible and available to us, which puts a proper perspective on our birth, on our short journey in this earth, uh, on our death, on our ageing, and that uh, whole uh, uh, process, because we've realised something deep. Let's have a quiet minute, shall we? beings explore the diversity of the experiences of life. May all beings go deeply into the nature of things. May all beings live with love and liberation. Thank you, everyone.